Hello and welcome to One Defeat from a Crisis, the podcast on Saturday at three where we look back at our previous game. As you can tell by the change of title, we're not talking about a fun game. Before we get to that, let me introduce my lovely co-hosts. First of all, Kenny. Hi, Andrew. Hope you're well, mate. Um, as best as can be expected under the circumstances, I think. Dave, how are you doing, mate? Well, my brief period of positivity is gone, put it that way. Yeah, I was going to think it was being a bit shattered after the result on Sunday. And finally, Mr Sunlight and Optimism himself, Chris, how are you, man? Do I need to be here? Do I need to do this? Is this... Is it necessary? Can I just go now? Your your name's on the podcast, pal, so unfortunately you do have to be here, especially well, after this one. I have to say, I, I did specifically ask you to host this one because I feel like I would be in a better position to be a contributor rather than the host because uh, <laughs> I've got a lot to say, put it that way. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're, we're obviously, as we sit here, we're recording this on the Wednesday after the game. Uh I think we'd we'd assumed that by this point all of us would have calmed down, but I think it's safe to say that that's not been the case. Um, we're not planning on going through the game kind of moment by moment. Unfortunately, all the uh, kind of key points are etched in our brains, at least for a little while. So we're going to talk just about some general themes around the game instead, uh, hopefully offer a bit of a different perspective than, the, uh, than what some of the other Rangers podcasts will have done so far. Uh, so with that in mind, you know, let's, uh, let's dive right into it. I was confident about us coming into this game up until about 10 to 2 when the team sheets came out and so far I've not found someone who thought that that team as it was laid out was going to get a result or at least put in a good performance but Kenny I'll come to you first what were your thoughts when you saw that team come out? Uh, Deflated instantly deflated uh very disappointed that uh, raskin didn't start didn't surprise me that uh cantwell had dropped to the bench i thought if he started with tillman Cant- cantwell would drop drop out but unfortunately uh the only way i could describe it is it was like a the air coming out of a balloon in the room that i was sitting in watching it we we just couldn't believe what we what we'd seen when the Team sheet came out, we were, uh, how do I put it? We feared the worst, put it that way, Andrew. We really did. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair. Uh, Dave, how about you? I mean, you know, I, I understand we we suspected there were going to be changes. Tillman had obviously dropped out from the previous squads. We knew that Lundstrom was also an injury doubt as well. Um, but but I think given the form of Campbell and Raskin, it's, it's bizarre to me that both of them appeared to be dropped for this game. But what was your take, mate? So when we saw the team, we thought, right, he's gone where he's kind of tried and trusted, maybe, fair enough. But at the same time, Raskin and Cantwell have added a much-needed energy, impetus, freshness, been the brightest sparks last couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden they're gone for at least two injury doubts. And a guy who I'm sure will come on, he has had quite significant form concerns. It was a bit... Uh, I, I still, to be fair, I still thought, right, OK, he's went with his old stages, it's not the most exciting, but we were badly let down by the performances they put in. Yeah, and we'll we'll come on to Michael Beale's post-match press conferences. He, he tried to justify it with, uh, you know, noting their performances at Tyne Castle, how well those two had played together there, uh, which I think is a is a, a reasonable point before the game to be to be talking about. I, I said the same thing to my old man. You know, he's obviously expecting that Tyne Castle performance. But Chris, I mean, what do you think? What, what was your? I think I, I'm. I'm going to paraphrase, but my assumption was that your uh, feeling was that this is going to be a bit apocalyptic. Well, it's, it's easy to kind of stand here on hindsight and say he should have played Raskin and he should have played Cantwell because Tillman wasn't fit and he should have done this and he should have done that. I'll just try and take you back to where I was at kind of two o'clock on Sunday. And Dave said there, um, I get his point, uh, tried and trusted. Um, these players do not beat Ange Postecoglou's Celtic team. And the fact that we went into this game with the very same players that have failed time after time after time out with the Scottish Cup semi-final was just complete and utter madness to me. I did not understand it at all, one single bit. Lundstrom does not turn up for these games. I said it, I don't know how many times i said it, I'm sick of seeing Rio Hitati take the piss out of him. Glenn Kamara, you don't know what you're going to get with Glenn Kamara, but more often than not now, you know you're going to get a poor, lackadaisical performance. And Tillman obviously was a big gamble, wasn't entirely dissatisfied with that, I was actually quite happy to see him. 
but the fact that there was no Raskin um, was just mind-blowing. But I'll tell you the biggest one for me uh, is the fact that Kamara and Lundstrom got the nod ahead of Ryan Jack. I was just like, wow, what what have they done to obviously justify that? Uh, oh, sorry, what, how can Michael Beale justify that? And you say the other Andrew Hart's away. Um, I can tell you right now, Hart's away is not Celtic in a cup final. So Quiet, absolutely. Uh, I... Well, come on to Michael Beale, I'm sure, but yeah, I, I, I'm very... I, see the players? I'm finished with them. Finished with a lot of them before just uh, before Sunday. I'm completely finished with them now, right? All out with maybe three or four that I can probably see having a salvageable Rangers field. But see Michael Beale? I'm very worried. Oh, well, this will be fun then. Um, so yeah, obviously the, the game kicks off. I think, you know... It's it's a bit cagey. There's there's no one team looking to press a major advantage, but I think unfortunately we do see that you know, <laughs> as you said, that hesitation, that lackadaisicalness from from the midfield. Kamara and Lundstrom in particular did not seem to be playing the urgency, even that we did see again in in Tynecastle against Hearts. So you know, you, you see us feeling our way into the game. Hey, it's a cup final. Maybe we'll get there, but. Unfortunately, you know, we we just fail to impose ourselves on the game. And towards the end of that first half, Kyogo finally manages to make the breakthrough and scores what looks like an awfully familiar goal. Uh, Dave, I'll come to you first, mate, because I feel like you're you're our tactics man. Where how many points of failure did you see in the run up to this goal, mate? The the points of failure were evident from kickoff. The setup was wrong. We we had no time in the ball. Nobody was moving off the ball. So the setup was wrong, but the the effort and application was wrong. We went into the Tyne Castle game, and that seems to became the kind of comparison here. And we were into every fifty fifty, winning every ball, hassling and winning it back. There was no effort or application. The midfield was just a total dead duck for the start. So Celtic controlled that area. Every time we got it, we just launched into channels aimlessly. We looked like a sort of championship team trying to play against Celtic, where all we could do was launch it away for our feet as soon as we got it because they were winning it back. In terms of points of failure for the goal, it's like a, a I said the other day on Twitter, I quit a niche reference, a Hieronymus Bosch painting. Demons and goblins and sort of <laughs> a sort of medieval hellscape where people are getting beheaded and demons are coming out of the ground. Every time you look at it you see something worse. So people on Twitter or Twitter Rangers Twitter generally has been falling over itself to pick their scapegoat. At no point does anybody do anything that I'm expecting of a top division footballer, nobody tracks a run, marks a man, so many get caught in two minds now, you have to say credit where it's due, Celtic move, Celtic's movement's good, but effort and application need to be the minimum, every single player involved in that move and involved in the goal is at fault in one way or the other, it is a complete and utter structural failure from the first whistle, you just knew, first 20 minutes they were in top and you just knew for then on, if we win this it's backs to the wall, but we never get out, we never get going, we never created a move, of worthy of the name, our attacks were sporadic, the whole thing. So for me, the goal you can blame it has to be a collective thing because Kamara, Lundstrom let it down the first phase, Goldson, Tav let it down the second, and it you ripped open for a tap in. Now mm-hmm. I know you say, oh, you, you watch somebody score a thirty yarder and you go, oh, fair dues if it was a tap, you'd be ripped open, you would feel different, but. I got, well, we've been ripped apart for two tap-ins. They have put the ball into your net from one yard out twice. We have been ripped apart. There's yeah, no... we'll, well, we'll come on to the second goal, but it's it's fair to say that it wasn't vastly different from how we were exposed at the first one. No, absolutely not. So points of failure, there's so many. Nobody comes out of that with any degree of credit, it's not even the word, any degree of being absolved of blame. Yeah, I think the only possible play you could maybe give some leeway to would be McGregor because there's nothing he can do at that range you know it is a tap in so unless he's standing exactly in the right place he's fucked um I think we um we we only kind of made half-hearted chances I can't recall an obvious shot on target that we had in that first half uh the only real chance of note that we had was a cross from Tavernier that gets diverted behind for a corner it's probably worth pointing out that one set piece aside, we never really looked particularly threatening at any of our set pieces either, and that's Andrew, obviously a point of concern. Can I just say, Andrew, see that chance you're actually talking about? Though I think I think it's um, I think it's relevant to bring up that if that's Celtic creating that chance against Rangers, that's a goal, that's a goal for Celtic. Cameron, 
Cameron Carter-Vickers does exactly what a central defender should do. Now, I think Ben Davis and Conor Golson are not the worst defenders for that first goal. I don't think they are. I think Tav can stop the shot. I think Kamara can track Moy. I think certainly Lundstrom can be tracking Kyogo. I think Ben Davis' positioning could be better. I think Conor Goldson's at a position a wee bit. But the fact that that chance that you're talking about was Cameron Carter-Vickers defending his six-yard box and he mm-hmm. made sure that ball was safe. And I'm a big fan of Conor Goldson. I, I, I'm kind of going to stick to the principle that I'll probably never take him for granted again because he clearly does make us a better team. But we, do, we just don't have a defender, a siege defender like Cameron Carter-Vickers. And, and that, that's the difference between that chance and Celtic's goal. Because, as I say, if Celtic created that chance against us, that ball getting into the six-yard box, McGregor's not going to come for it. Davis and Golson's position is most likely going to be of a poor position. And Ky- Kyogo would have probably tapped that in as well. It's just the, the parallels are just... Um, not, not the parallels, the, the difference between both teams is uh, it's, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Listen, I totally agree with that. I'm just going to say something very quickly about that. I totally agree with you, Chris, but there's three of them in our six-yard box all waiting for a tap-in. That, yep. that, that shows that it's not the centre-half problem. Exactly. <laughs> it's not the issue at that goal, actually. Well, it's a good point, Kenny, because how many Rangers players are in the six-yard box when we create that chance? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it is uh, multiple failures uh, and it was just kind of endemic of the way we played, wasn't it, really? So, yeah. So, yeah, we're obviously doing so well in that first half that uh, come the second half, when the teams come out, there are no changes. Kenny, I, I will come to you first, but I want to get everyone's view on that. Um, what, what, what? I mean, was there anything about that first half performance that made you think, yep, that entire eleven's good to go, we'll have the same again, please? No. I, I, honestly, no. I've already said it uh, before we started recording, that something actually snapped in me about half an hour, 35 minutes in, uh, where I turned around and said to my, my son that I've watched this movie once too often now. Uh, goals coming, you could tell it was coming. Uh, what really concerned me was almost from the first three or four minutes, we got a bye kick and Alan McGregor's talking to Conor Goldson and he's talking to Ben Davies in the six-yard line. And then he ushers him up the park and we resort to type, which is launching it out wide to Tavernier or to Barisic. It was Tavernier that we were trying to hit. And we didn't win a first ball all first half. We didn't win a second ball all day. Uh, no, uh, I I was very, very deflated at halftime. I, although it was only 1-0 and I felt that we were still in it, uh, I just felt it was inevitable, absolutely inevitable that we were going to lose that game. Um, just, I think you, you, you're always in a game at halftime when you're only 1-0 down. Of course, yeah. The, yeah. The, the problem was that it was a game that was, that clearly, whatever the thinking was going into the game before kickoff, watching how ineffective that midfield was and saying at halftime, that'll be fine, I'll send it back out again, at beggar's belief. And I think to maybe defend Michael Beale to a degree, I think as a manager, you have to back yourself in that you can motivate players to change how they perform in that second half. We have seen it before from this squad that sometimes they do need to kick up the arse at halftime to get themselves going. But, I mean, if nothing else, it's a huge mistake from him to allow that same team to go out because we do not impose ourselves in that second half. Dave, I'll come to you first on, on that, but, you know, what what was your thinking when you saw the same players coming out at half-time? I think everybody had the same thoughts. Everybody said the midfield's clearly the issue here. It's not working. Everybody around about me, every group chat I'm in, we're saying the same things. Get Lundstrom and Kamara, maybe Tillman off. Get <clears throat> Raskin and maybe Cantwell or Jack on, but Kamara and Lundstrom were never going to last in 80 minutes playing the way they were. So why why wait? And it's the waiting that killed us because by that point we're at the game. The game did yeah. turn when we made the subs a wee bit for a spell, <clears throat> but he's hesitated too late, not being big enough to make the subs at half time, which is where bold managers win, win games, win points. He's hesitated and by the time he does it, the game's fundamentally beyond us. It's another rookie manager mistake we had to watch Gerard make time and time again and I don't think Michael Beale 15 years into his career does that I think he's bolder but we in the position we're in have to put up with that if you that's not really what I mean but that's the gig that's the mm-hmm. way things are going to work for us 
but and no nobody could believe it. And if you've got such consensus amongst fans, you, you we've said this so many times. How many? How what's the manager watching? Yeah, I mean, we're we're only you know amateurs <laughs> analysing this game. We 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 don't profess to be experts. Um, certainly, if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know that we're not experts. But Chris, as far as you're concerned, what what was uh, what was your view then? Um, I'm not expecting anything vastly different from Kenny and Dave here, but first of all, I was obviously shocked that there was no changes made at half time. And Andrew, I get your point. Defending Bill to a certain extent, backing himself, um, motivating the players. We've seen them do it before. We've actually seen them do it in this fixture in January and one 0 at half time. I do not believe we were as poor in January as we were yesterday uh, on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I think we were very poor uh, on Sunday compared to being poor in January. Um, Sunday was closer to the 4-0 defeat in parts than it was the January game. This is, this is, this is my next point. This is my next so, point. Sorry to interrupt you, Chris. Sunday was like a geo performance. Yeah. That's Aye. exactly what it was like. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I will bring Gio up at some point in this podcast again anyway, but... I think if, we'd have to physically restrain you to stop you from doing so, Chris, but if, carry on. If I could change the subject ever so slightly, but there is relevance to it. If you look at the style of play, um, it was... Containment. Um, I think uh, Kenny said it about that uh, passage of play or, or that moment where McGregor obviously hit the ball long despite Davis and Golson standing next to him and he told him to go up. We seem to be trying to get Sakala in behind using his pace and Morelos was sort of the target man. It's either hold it up, play him in or flick it on. Now, I don't think he won one header all day. What he did do was he, he gave... Starfelt and, and Carter Vickers a problem. I remember at one point in the first half, uh, Carter Vickers and Morelos went um, shoulder to shoulder and Morelos beat him. Now, to beat a man mountain like Carter Vickers physically takes some down. So I thought, right, Alfredo's in the right frame of mind here for this game. I do still believe that he was, but he's been asked to do a job that isn't going to suit our style against this particular Celtic team. So for me, what was the most disappointing and negligent decision by Michael Beale was not to change our style in the second half. We came out more of the same. Cal Starfield and Joe Hart had nothing to do in that first half. There was zero pressure on them. Look how nervous they were. Hart, Hart looked terrible for the entire yeah. game. Honestly. Cal Starfield gave the ball away twice under, under no pressure at all. We didn't press him and he still gave yeah. the ball away twice. Joe Hart was just a riot. And I think... Why, why, why did we, why, why did we not look to do the the press from the from the strikers to the defenders? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wasn't even asking for a full team press from midfield to strikers to the Celtic defence. Even just Sakala, Kent, Morelos pressing that back four, getting at Starfield, getting at Hart. They're obvious weaknesses which we have seen without putting any pressure on them, and yet we came out with no substitutions made when there should have been. But the most galling decision for me was. The style of play or the tactics of containment, despite being 1-0 down, suggested to me that let's take them to the 75th minute and try and nick a goal and take it extra time. Now, well, that's, that's I think, the, the point I'd like to make. I, to have, you know, a rare shoot of optimism in, in this pod, there there are clear deficiencies in this team. There are the ways that we can get at them. There, there are ways that this team, that the Celtic team, set up that can be exploited. The unfortunate thing is, we didn't do any of them. We didn't do we didn't do any of them. Um, Celtic's errors were unforced errors. Well, when Raskin and Cantwell and Jack came on, we started to force some errors. I, I would I would concede, but I'm talking about up until that point, all Celtic's errors were unforced errors, which shows you that if we actually put pressure on them, you, you never know what can happen. I remember the game where Gio was a manager at Ibrox, uh, the, the, the game Aaron Ramsey scored, we pressed the fuck out of them for the first 10 minutes and how many mistakes did they make? And then we stopped the press. And then the problem you've got is if you're not going to press that Celtic back four, you need to win the midfield battle. Callum McGregor is a good player and Rio Hitati, as I've said, you know, you, you would actually think I'm one of his biggest fans. I'm obviously not. He's a Celtic player, but he, he is a quality, quality player. I think he showed that again yesterday. The two of them didn't even need to play well. They just had to be there physically and get to the ball first, and that's what they've done. We didn't even have the appetite to get to the ball first. We, I, I don't know if it was Dave or Kenny. We were second best to everything. Long balls, second balls, short balls, chasing on my hand. Oh, I just, the fact that Celtic, and this this is the, 
this is the biggest criticism I can give this Rangers team. Celtic won that game in second or third year. They had a, they had another two or three gears to go up. They didn't play well. They, no, they didn't. They, they, they didn't play well, and they won at a canter. That's um, the criticism of Celtic. That that that's that's actually praise to Celtic because Kenny, you're right. They didn't play well, but they still won at a canter. So how bad must we have been? But that's what. Listen, no, I don't want to hold their things up here. But that's what I was going to say. That Michael Beale did concern me uh, in a number of ways the other day. Playing Tillman uh, on the right and quite defensively negates everything that's good about that kid. He, he would have been much better playing Cantwell that that way because Cantwell is better at it. Um, punting the long ball uh, really concerned me, honestly. Um, but so, sorry, I'm interjecting. I'm just listening to you and getting wound up, so I'll put myself back on mute. Well, it's quite all right, Kenny. We've got plenty of other things to get you wound up during this. Um, we'll we'll come on to then to the uh, to the second goal. Uh, we actually have a fairly, probably our, our best chance of the game. Ryan Kent gets a shot away, hits against the post. Sakala is there for the rebound, but unfortunately only scores it into the side netting. Probably could have done better. And even if he doesn't take the shot on, he's got Morelos there ready for a uh, pass back and a tap in. So that's our best looking chance. And then because obviously we failed to capitalise onto that, uh, well, just rinse and repeat for Kyogo's first goal. Goes straight ahead and um, and converts another cutback relatively easily. Much the same in terms of the failings there as well. But Dave, I mean, did you see anything particularly different with that one? No, it's, it's the same sort of goal. Cut open, movement wide. They pull the defence out a wee bit. They pull Goldson out towards a, a runner. Tav gets caught in two minds. They play in behind. The ball comes across. We've not tracked the runner's goal. It's a fairly standard Celtic goal under... Postacoglu, they've got this down mm-hmm. to a kind of repeatable fine art, <clears throat> and we are unable to deal with it, and we get suckered. We switched off after that chance. The, the Sakala chance was glaring. If you've seen the images back, which we have had the advantage of in real time, it's a sitter. He's in almost Paddy Roberts territory with a miss. It's it's glaring. In real time, I thought he was closer to the line, but it's pretty poor. It's very poor, actually. But again, it's Celtic's move. They, they drift into wee half spaces, Pull players out of position in areas they don't want to be. Goldson in this case again. <clears throat> Davies is jogging back. And as Chris said, Carter Vickers gets his body across, puts it out. Ben Davies is lit- literally a tourist at this point. Just there to take a photo self at Hamden. And again, we're ripped open. And it's a two-yard tap-in. Unforgivable in a cup final to be ripped open so badly. I think that, that for me, I mean, that's probably the most unforgivable kind of thing about this performance. that The lack of application and effort that we seem to see from the vast majority of that squad. Players jogging back into position or not busting a gut to try and make the tackle or make the inception or press their man or or do anything to, you know, not get an upper hand in the game. Um, very, very disappointing. So, Kenny, I'll come to you, mate. Uh, at this point, we're screaming for subs and uh, we're 2-0 down in the cup final. How are you feeling at this point? Um. Pretty much the same as everybody else in the support, to be honest. Uh, game's out of our reach, we kind of know that. Uh, what really galled me about that, that was um, that Michael Beale decides to make three substitutions, um, and before he can do it, his counterpart across in the other dugout has clocked who he's putting on and slaps three on before him. I want to know, I genuinely mean this actually, I'd really like to know why it takes five, six minutes for us to get a substitute on, to the point where hours are up and actually getting ready and are stripped to go and Postacoglu has no substitutions ready and they get out, get warmed up, get stripped and get out of the park before our three. It's, it's, it, I, I, I'm flabbergasted. I'm kind of speechless at that. Um, I don't understand that and I'm, I'm really, uh, how would I put it, it's one of those days that when a manager just gets everything wrong if you know what I mean, that's what mm-hmm. it felt like to me, absolutely every decision that you can make you that, that could be a, a, you know, deemed as a 50-50 decision, he got it wrong um, and you oh, listen, I just hope he learns from that, but how I'm feeling at the time is that the game's gone? I, I, you know, I, I don't believe for a minute that he, you know we're going to get back into this game. 
if anything, I just felt that the way we were playing, the gaps between defence and midfield, or the distance between them, the distance between midfield and the, the front three were so wide that they could play with an ease that really concerned me. I thought it might have been more, to be honest. And I, I'm just kind of sitting there with a bit of an acceptance that it's not happening. That's that's how I'm feeling at the time, Andrew. Well, the good thing was, you know, just as Celtic make their substitutions and we, you know, start seeing ours get stripped and get ready to come on, we managed to make a breakthrough. Uh, there's a free kick from Tav. There's a complete clusterfuck in the box. And Morelos manages to get on the end of it. Suddenly it's 2-1. Game on. Chris, you obviously felt really optimistic at this point, right? Well, to be fair to, to myself, I actually was quite optimistic because I, I'm like Kenny, I, I didn't see where the goal was coming from. Uh, we get the goal and then we're bringing on the three subs that should have came on in the first place. The three subs that came on are the three guys that he should have started with. So I was like, right, OK. Celtic did look a little bit tired as well, um, which is, again, I think that's another damning and verdict on this Rangers team because they, they did look a bit tired, but they were still... They still looked every time they had the ball, they could have, you know, threatened us. Um, the timing of the goal, 60-odd minutes, I thought, right, we've got 20 minutes here, plus, you know, maybe uh-huh. five minutes injury time. There's plenty of time here to carve out another opening. Um, you know, that way, that kind of cliche when you're a, Ranger, a, a, not a Rangers fan, any football fan, when you're chasing a game, you always say to yourself, we'll get one chance. I was kind of there, but obviously I, I had to be... <laughs> in fact, Celtic well, might actually get a chance But just, just on to uh, Kenny's point Before you uh, move on to the next point uh, About obviously the substitutes Celtic mm-hmm. beat ready before us Even though we were the one preparing the subs and stuff It's it's just It's the difference between This Rangers team and the Celtic team um, I've spoken about it before um, How long it takes us to take a throw in How long it takes us to take a free kick How long it takes us to make a subs Compare it to how long it takes, it, or how quick, how how quickly Celtic can take free kicks, how quickly Celtic can take corners, throw-ins, and substitutes. It's because they're always on the front foot with everything they do. Now, it actually reminded me of something that Kenny bringing this point up um, that I should have said, you know, ten minutes ago, talking about the style of play. That that was the first thing I noticed about the game, and that's where I made my mind up that we're we're trying to contain them. McGregor started doing what SPFL job or goalkeepers do against us at Ibrox. Started time-wasting after like the fifth minute. We were walking. We had a succession of corners. I think it was three corners in a row. Walking up to the corner flag. Taking our time. Um, no urgency at all. Now, that's you could say that's just who Rangers are. But on this particular day on Sunday, I, I just I don't know about Kenny and Dave. I don't know about you guys. Feel, I just felt it was that wee bit more deliberate. Almost as if it was the game plan. And this this is where all my concern. Kenny, Kenny you say that like every every single decision that Bill made on Sunday, it got wrong. Every single one. There's there's not you cannot point to one thing. You can maybe point to yeah, understand the gamble and Lundstrom, eh, not Lundstrom, eh, Tillman, but not not when you're playing Kamara and Lundstrom as 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 the midfielders behind them. So that kind of negates that gamble. Um, I just felt that was a deliberate tactic to try and maybe frustrate Celtic to try and you know. I don't know, annoy them, maybe force them into an error because the the game, the, the, the tempo of the game isn't where they need it to be because obviously, as we know from this Postacoglu team, Celtic at full tempo, that, that completely suits them. And then I, I just go back to the soundbites from Michael Wheel. We will play attacking football. We will not take a step back for anybody. We will take a step forward. And it's just... Thought just birthday cared passion. It really, really is. And I think, he, I think he's proven that um, by... Uh, we talk we talk about shite bags, right? And it's a derogatory term. We talk about players shiting it in this fixture in cup finals. And uh, the manager was probably the biggest shite bag on the day on Sunday, which is really quite hurtful to say. It really, really is. Um, but I, I believe that to be. I a think fact. I think that's probably a bit harsh, Chris. Given I, that you know I, we, I, had, uh, we had we had ten outfield players who I'd probably throw into that category before him. You know. Oh, of course, of course not. The players definitely, you know, you know, there's no question about that. But when the man who's in charge room is setting up the way he sets up, and I can't remember who said, maybe Kenny, um, we'd be as well with having Gio in the, the dugout for this game. We really would have. Because look, look, Chris, I, I said it last week on the pod. You might remember that it was very, very important uh, to get a level of fitness on that pitch, right? That 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 was I actually made a point of saying that last week that. 
with the injuries we have got, it was going to be important to uh, acknowledge, for Michael Bale, I mean, to acknowledge that everybody's going to de- declare themselves for it. Uh, and he got it wrong. He, he There's just no getting away from it. Now, we don't know, personally, we don't know if Raskin is maybe carrying an injury or whatever. We don't know that. But to play Kamara and Lundstrom, who we have continually uh, watched underperform together as a as a you know as a duo in the, in that midfield, uh, that's just wrong, and it, it smacks of a little bit of fear of the opposition to me actually that he thinks that exactly what you're saying that he can slow the game down to a point where we can frustrate them. Now history proves that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. They, 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 this team's not, you know, Celtic I'm talking about here are not losing much. They're very patient and we got it wrong. And our manager got it wrong and he was not helped by any of those players. No. Yeah, that's it right there. And it was a point that we made when we were still talking about the previous manager as well, that you can have all the managerial brilliance in the world, but if you have a squad of players who for whatever reason, won't fulfil your instructions or are incapable of fulfilling your instructions, then those same players will get you the sack. So we're in a situation where clearly some of these players are in a position where they can still influence a game. We saw that with the three substitutions which were made. Uh, Jack, Cantwell and Raskin all coming on for Tilma, Lundstrom and Kamara, which it's never a great sign, I think, when you have to sub off your entire midfield all in one go. Um, but it seemed to have an immediate impact. You know, we already have a lift from the goal. We seem to be playing a lot better. We are seeing much more attacking football happening. Raskin and Cantwell are all determined. And I thought, you know, despite the disappointing result, both of them, Cantwell and Raskin, both look like they have no fear about playing in this type of fixture. Both of them were looking to impose themselves in the game. That was very exciting to see. And for maybe 10 minutes, things look like they're going really well. And then, let's say, probably, what, this is about the fourth or fifth cock-up that the manager makes? Morales is subbed off for Cholak, just as though he looks like he's really getting his, his hand on the game. Dave, I'll come to you. And, and well, just before I come to Dave, by that, Andrew, Michael Beale hands a cup to Celtic. It's as simple as that. Yeah, uh, I think I, I would understand Cholak coming on with Morelos. You maybe sacrifice someone like Ken or or Sakala and play get both of them up top, especially when you're chasing a goal. Cholak can convert. He can score chances if they're made for him. But taking off Morelos, who at that point is really starting to run the Celtic defence ragged, and weirdly enough, playing really well when he's got willing runners beyond them. No, that's that's giving up one of the more potent bits of your attack. Dave, help me make it make sense, mate. I can't, mate. I can't. I mean, the whole place, there was an audible gasp when Barella's number went up. <clears throat> Everybody thought the sub was going to be right for Sakala or some kind of variation thereof because it looked like Sakala was having another jocker. He was delivering, well, failing to deliver on his comments earlier in the week. The miss just kept him off. We thought, right, for a bit of pace, bit of energy. Cantwell and Raskin have added energy. Maybe there's a chance here. But it took off every single time, right? We've taken off Morelos for Cholak. We immediately lose the foothold in our team stud. It happened mm-hmm. so many times this season, and especially big games in Europe. Cholak is a good finisher, but he's a journeyman striker. He lacks mobility. There was a point at which Carter Vickers was jogging and accelerating away for Cholak, who was running. It was laughable. You're going to need to put a chance on a plate for him. That wasn't happening. So we just lost all grip in the th- their third. And that really was it. As Chris said, the game petered out. I don't think we really created much in the way of meaningful chances after that. We certainly never held it up. And we never really forced anything in the last five minutes. The last couple of minutes, the extra time, or a sort of injury time, played out more or less in our half or our third. Because he killed it in the round, taking every decision, the lineups, the subs, the timing of the subs, Cholak mm-hmm. for Morelos. It was as bad a series of managerial decisions as we've seen since the Hibs Cup final when the coaching staff were left in charge instead of Bill. Literally that's, every decision. That, that's a hell of a pull right there, but I think you're right. Um, yeah, just just a series of bizarre managerial choices there. And you're right. 
there's nothing more of note that happens after that. Uh, Wright comes on for Sakala at the 84th minute. That's probably the sub for Cholak. You maybe bring on Wright instead uh, earlier. That maybe makes a difference, but nah, at that point, it's done. Celtic are, are good at seeing out the game. You know, yeah, there's, oh, there's, Andrew, I would actually say, were Celtic good at seeing out the game? Or were Rangers just absolutely atrocious at chasing the game? Well, it takes two to tango here, right? Okay. So how, my, how my point be? my point is that um, Rangers are letting themselves be drawn into stupid fouls. So Rangers have to commit those fouls, sell together there to take them in the most do, effective way possible. Do, do, do Rangers need to commit their fouls? It's like, no, they don't. That's, it's, that's it's, my point. Yeah, it's, it, it was just the most losers doing what losers do. And that is exactly what happened. Ball getting played up. Cholak... Uh, I think he'd done it once, putting a hand on Carter Vickers. What's Carter Vickers going to do? He's going to go down. What would you want Conor Goldson to do? He'd go down. Free kick. Carter Vickers plays it right up to the Rangers' kind of um, corner flag. Uh, I think it was Abada or maybe Haksabanovic. Got the ball, trying to shield it. Plays a wee kind of, you know, dribble to um, pass. It was either Tav or, or, or Barisic. Goes down easily. Another free kick. This continued to happen for the last five minutes of the game. And then, in actual fact, it looked, and I'm, I'm genuinely not, um, you know, trying to make this sound worse than what it was, Celtic looked like they were the team chasing the game. How many chances did they have in the last five minutes? I think we've got McGregor to find that it's not another humi- humiliation. It's, it was just, we did not carve out one single chance, and it all came from that substitute. Because Dave said they heard a big gasp in the crowd, I wasn't in the crowd, obviously, I was watching TV. Dave, can I ask you something? Are you sure that was a gasp from the Rangers fans and it wasn't actually Starfelts and Carter Vickers breathing a huge sigh of relief? Uh, you know what, mate, it could have been because their day gets so much easier. Yeah. As yeah. you see, the, sh- the shithouse in Celtic were good, at, to be fair. They do a bit of moaning when it happens to them, but they did, they broke the game up. Stupid fouls, hand in the back down. I agree, Rangers played in their hands, so takes two to tango. But you normally, a big game, a derby, cup final, you expect a flurry of succession of corners in the last five minutes. We offered nothing, not even a fucking glimmer of hope in we that went last long, five minutes. Dave, didn't we? Aye. We went just... long. The, the minute that substitution was made, it was crazy. We were actually getting at them. We were just beginning to get at them. And when they bring Cholak on, uh, who I totally agree with you, he's a decent enough finisher, but he's not, he's not what Rangers need in a game like that, not at all. And he's not a good substitution either, by the way. He's he's never come on and done anything, has he, really? The, so There you go, there's a question. Has he ever come on and scored? I don't think well, he that, has. That, no, that's the point, he hasn't. So we're, we're at a stage where when we were first talking about what Michael Beale was going to bring, one of the things that he did mention relatively early on, he wanted to see Morales and Cholet together. So far, outside of maybe five minutes towards the end of the game, I don't think we've ever seen that. And you guys are right in that we've made absolutely nothing. We had two shots on target for that whole game, and one of them was the goal that we scored. So, you know, that there's there was no danger that we were ever going to win that match. I think at best we were going to tie it up, but Celtic had five shots to our two on target. They They made chance after chance in that last kind of 10 minutes. And at no point did we look like we were ever going to make the breakthrough. The only glimmer of hope we had was that 10-minute spell after our first goal when our midfield really started coming into play. So that's where we find ourselves. Uh, I was watching Rangers TV. For some odd reason, they decided to cut the coverage pretty much immediately after the uh, 90-minute whistle got blown. And there we go. Uh, Celtic pick up another League Cup. Good for them. Uh Chris, I'm going to come to you first because I know you were keen to talk about this. We had the post-match conferences from both Michael Beale and Tavernier. Any particular messages out of there you want to highlight? I'm just going to completely dismiss James Tavernier's press con- uh, pre-ma- uh, post-match interview. Uh, if Kenny or Dave want to touch upon that, then knock yourselves out, guys. But uh, I've, I've got nothing to say about what Tavernier said, um, purely because I've heard it so many times now. So, yeah. In terms of what Beale said... Um, he rounded off the day the way he started the day just an absolute riot um, instead of saying well he did say it's on him but the caveat was his justification for Cantwell and Raskin not being included they've only played two games they've not played enough games yet 
he wasn't. He knows what he's going to get for this team. This is a team that Michael Beale called winners. Just absolute bullshit. They're not winners. Stop lying to us. Um, because that is what you're doing now. In fact, you know what? It's no lying. It's gaslighting. They're not winners. Um, so he wants to play. He wants to play John Lundstrom and Glenn Kamara um, because they've played more than two games for Rangers now. Real Hitati again. I'm coming back to him. Came off the plane in Japan, scores two goals against Rangers in the the, the January uh, uh, old firm defeat last January under Gio. Yeah, that's a manager that trusts his new signings. Um, but how could I possibly talk about a disgraceful day for Rangers without bringing up my old friend Ross Wilson? And um, yeah, his game plan of signing Ras- Raskin and Cantwell in the last two days of the January window really worked out well for us, didn't it? So this is another window which has cost this football club honours, and it's on Ross Wilson. Yes, I understand that he does get a bit of slack for yesterday because Michael Beale's the one that didn't choose Raskin and Cantwell, but if that's his justification, then whose fault is that? Because with Raskin, I said it at the time, I'm happy we got him, blah, blah, blah. But on January the 1st, Standard Liège said we want, I think, 2 million plus a 10% add-on. We said, no, here's half a million. Okay, here's a million. Okay, here's 1.5. And they said no every time. And then on January the 31st, went, right, okay, we'll give you 2 million plus the 10%. And they went, right, okay, fine. Done that on January the 1st, it could have been a whole different ballgame, couldn't it have? But it wasn't. So, aye, um, Michael Beale, my message to Michael Beale would be, wake up, because these guys are going to get you the sack. And see the boys you brought in, trust them, because they showed up well in the kind of 20, 30 minutes you got. And that's what that's what us as the fans want. We do not want to see John Lundstrom. We do not want to see Glenn Kamara. We do not want to see fucking Fashion Sakala. Um, maybe a wee bit Harrison Sakala, certainly Borna Barisic. We don't want to see these guys have these same performances against Celtic time after time after time. We want to see new people and, and see if they make a mistake. It's not going to be the end of the world because at least we, we can say that that might just be a one-off. Whereas these guys have now got a body of work that suggests that they're just losers. They're, they're, they're just scared of Celtic. And the shot, I don't know if the shot's too heavy for, for some of them. I, I mean, people will always go back to the Europa League final in 55. And I'm so done with that as well. Like, I'm really, really done with that. Um, but people can always say that as well. The shot wasn't heavy then. Like, fair enough, cool. This is now. This, this, is, this is now. And this is yet another failure of a series of failures. And in actual fact, Andrew, um, the, the same players, uh, and I include the captain in this, I, I, I do, you know, we lost the league in year one, despite being level in January. We lost to Aberdeen in the League Cup semi-final. We lost to Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup in a replay at Ibrox. In year two, we lost the league, despite being level in January. Or I think we had a game in hand, but we're only two points behind. Uh, we lost the League Cup final to Celtic. Uh, we lost to Hearts in the Scottish Cup. And then in year three, we won 55, but we lost to St Murn in the League Cup. We lost to St Johnson in the Scottish Cup. Year four, we're top in January. We lose the league. We then lose to Hibs in the Scottish Cup, uh, the Scottish League Cup semi-final. We've now lost to Celtic in the Scottish League Cup final. And in year five, we've actually bottled the, the league uh, even before January. Uh, how, how many more failures do, do we need? How many more failures uh, are we going to tolerate? I think this is the end of the line now. Um, and then to round it off, just going back to Ross Wilson. Today, James Sands left the club. Um, so every single signing from January 2022 is now no longer at the club. Think about that. Actually think about that for a second. And then how can you say that Gio was backed? Again, this isn't about Gio at all, but you have to look at the bigger picture here. Every single signing that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was given in January is no longer at the club. We're only a year after the fact. And in fact, if you want to look at last season in its entirety, we signed eight players, only three remain, and one of them's off the ball. So Sakala and Lundstrom are only two that remain. And Sakala might do, John Lundstrom won't do. Uh, we're in big, big trouble if this isn't addressed in the summer. And I'm sure we will come and have a mini discussion about it, and we will do a deeper dive about what's actually needed. But... Um, this is worse than even I thought it was. And Listen, that, Chris. I'd say something. He needs chased. Ross um, Wilton needs hunted right now. Uh, I don't want to go overboard. <laughs> I haven't just said that, but he does. The that I think that's what snapped in me on uh, Sunday. Enough's enough of this. He needs chased out the door. He's got to go. But it's, it's, see, see, for me, and to put a kind of comedic slant on it for such a thing, He's making me nostalgic for Martin Bain. That was a very eloquent outline of the whole situation. 
Chris, right? I'm leaving fucking kidding. Bain got in guys who'd played 200 games in Serie A and they flunked and guys for the Premier League. Wilson has signed a parcel of... Right, let me let me wind that up a bit, right? His, his recruitment strategy for day one has been scattergun. There's no coherent strategy. It's random leaks. It's players who are clearly... And I said this at the start of the season before we even kicked the ball about the signings, Cholak, Matondo, etc. Guys are not wanted at their current club. We've not actually gone and bought anybody who's of worth to their current club. Raskin paid a fee. He was the way out. Cantwell, unwanted. We seem unable to identify guys who are worth anything in the market and bring them in for market value. So we're relying on freebies and unwanted players. Is it any wonder the squad is in the state it's in? It's, to paraphrase John Gilligan, the worst squad I've seen in the Premier League out with the early banter years. Well, this is the banter years. Out with the, the first couple of years when we came back. The squad building's abysmal. The injury record that falls under his auspices as well is deplorable. Every single aspect of Ross Wilson's job, with the exception of the transfer fee for Bassey, which stumbled upon, wasn't him who done it. Bassey would have gone for that under any director. Has been an abject, utter, total failure. And we, we could be here a chat before the pod about where we are at the moment. And I'm almost finished because I don't see a future for Rangers at this moment in time with this board, by which I mean Robertson and Wilson. I don't see how we get our way out of this. The player trading model is laughable because there's nobody there of any value. I don't see us bringing anybody in. Off the park revenue, I just don't see it. I'm at a point where I think, unless there's drastic change, this is this is our future. Fighting for second best. And and Dave, one thing that you kind of touched on there, but um, the, the, the actual hard data is Kemal Roof was sitting next to Rid Van Yilmaz and Philip Hollander and Tom Lawrence and John Souter were also on the stands. It's just a complete guesstimate, but what would you say in terms of pounds per year was sitting in the stands here? It's, it's £10 million pounds is right, sitting just, in the stands right just now. Those, just those players and wages? Yeah, in terms of all the players that we've had injured, um, and I think that's something like 43% of the games that are... Injured players have missed so far, um, but it's around 10 million quid's worth of talent that we've had unavailable for this season uh, in terms of wages and transfer fees, etc. I, I did a quick head calculation in the way out the, the ground on that point as I was talking to my pals. I reckon there's anywhere in the region of 80 grand a week sitting in the stand there. Roof, Guts are 30, Hollander 20, Davis maybe 10, Yilmaz, big signing, usually big wages, Matondo. 30. You could actually, if you acted it up, push it up to about 100 grand a week in wages sitting there. And partly poor signings, partly whatever's going on in the sports science injury rehabilitation department. My feeling with that, or my current opinion of that, is that the tech that we use, Zone 7 or something it's called, other clubs that use that are also in the midst of an injury crisis. We've spoken about that before. That's coming under Wilson. Liverpool, Hull and Atlanta United all have severe soft tissue injuries, so do we. So that's been brought in, and he's buying poor quality, or buying players that don't fit, and then they're getting injured as a result of whatever uh, practices have been introduced. So there's the best part. Certainly north of 50, but south of 100 grand a week, sitting in the stand doing nothing. The worst, do you know know the worst thing though? See, even if they were fit, and on the pitch, I'm not sure the outcome would have been that different. Yeah. Kenny, could I just ask you, see, see to Dave's point about Second best is probably what we need to accept now. And the, oh no, the, I never said to accept it. Oh, don't. No, no. <laughs> it, well, no, no. Second best is probably the best we can get, achieve. Obviously, we, we do want more. Um, and it doesn't see a way out of that. I actually tend to agree with Dave. But Kenny, just from your perspective, it took Celtic a year to turn around after losing ten in a row and get to the stage they're at now. So a year's a long time in football, and a lot can change. Do you see the positive in that, or do you think nah because of Ross Wilson? And that's the situation we're in because we can change things with, you know, the summer transfer window like Celtic did and then get into January window and top it up then. And then, you know, anything can happen if we get the players right. But that is our biggest drawback, is our biggest um, concern, the fact that it's Ross Wilson who's going to choose these players. Listen, under Ross Wilson, there has been no cohesive mindset or plan about the signings at all. Not, not at any point from the guy Camberry randomly turning up to Bakuna randomly turning up to 
Uh, what was the boy's name? Zungu, random, random <laughs> players. Do you know what I mean? Uh, th- th- this guy's an imposter. Absolutely, right? imposter. He's uh, absolutely until we until the Rangers. Uh, sorry, Dave. Until the Rangers fans get this into their head and start actually demanding this, this man needs chased out the door. He's the problem. There is no question on this for me. If we listen. I said this in the group chat earlier on. There is no reason whatsoever at this point, bearing in mind that Rangers have been where they are and where they are now, right? This board's been in situ for eight years. There is absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be spending £20 million a year, right? Because all we have to do is get our player trading model correct and it's a given, Every other club our size is doing it. We're the only club in Europe our size that can't spend that kind of money. On our turnover, it's an absolute given that we should be doing it. And this guy is making a rip-roaring ass of it time and time again. How many times are we going to go through a transfer window and go, well, no, that didn't work? Every single time. You've just Chris has just highlighted it himself. Out of... The eight signings in the last year, two of them are, three of them are still there, I think you said, and one of them is a, a poor lad with a heart condition. That is ridiculous. Absolutely god-awful and appalling. And that's the issue. Get him out the door. Take Mr Robertson with you. Take James Blair with you while you're at it. This is, this. is I'm sorry, I'm now on a rant, but the issue I have, right, is that... We keep getting told that these this this non-executive board have invested fortunes into Rangers Football Club. Well, wait, the Rangers fans have clocked it. The money that the Rangers fans are putting in is being squandered. It's being wasted on utter rubbish at times. Not all the time. So don't don't think I'm I'm criticising every single player in that. But in the main, it's being squandered. Now, if the Rangers fans are at that point where we are demanding answers, why are the people that invest in their serious amounts of money not looking at that executive board and saying, do you know what, get that to fuck. That needs changed. It is a mess at that level. It really is. It's an absolute mess and it needs dealt with. And he's the first one. Uh, Again, I've said this before. I don't know how many times I've said this about Ross Wilson. It's nothing personal, mate, but you're shite at your job. Rangers are built on winning things. We are being uh, manoeuvred into a situation and a mindset that we don't under this guy. Get him out and get him out immediately. Can I just say the the mindset thing, Kenny? This is the most concerning thing. I don't actually think the mindset is shifting amongst the Rangers fans that, oh, second, we're four points behind is actually not too bad because we won the Scottish Cup or whatever. Like, that, that, there is a real feel that that kind of mindset is creeping in. I don't think that is the mindset. This is the problem I've got with the mindset. The mindset is, look at the accounts. Look where we were 10 years ago. Look where we were here. Look where we were there. And look what we're bringing in now. We'll get Edmondson House and that's a new revenue stream. And oh, look who was so bassy for this. And we'll get Champions League money and look at the look at the retail. And, but a lot of Rangers fans are obsessed with the money that Rangers can now generate and the, the money that we can now make. And that seems to be more important, not, not, not to the Rangers fans, but to the board. And it being celebrated by some Rangers fans as a success solidifies the board's decision decisions and it does no one any favours. If if you if you're a Rangers fan that wants to see domestic honours, which I believe ninety nine percent of us do, you, you have to see past this financial um recovery because we have recovered now. That's those kind of dark days of twenty twelve probably will never re- return. And that is because of the guys who are propping it up. And I do appreciate that for them. But Kenny, you you nailed it, mate. Their money is getting wasted. And Chris, it's simple as Chris, that. Chris, the financial situation, that we, we, they deserve credit for this. It's to be lauded to get a football club uh, from 17 million quid a year to what might well be a £100 million turnover this, you know, this term. It's to be lauded. That, that, that's not the issue. 
football isn't about my girls. It isn't about uh, Edmiston House. It is, it's about winning trophies. <laughs> and that's what you're judged on. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that's the bottom line. And these guys at that executive level are failing on a, a, a scale I can't remember as a Rangers fan. They need to go. So, see, that that's the point, right? To tie the two points together, you get this all oh, with financial stability, look where we were, accounts are good. I, I can't see that as a cause for optimism because of the current trajectory of the football inside. So the list that does the rounds, it gets added to every window. As you said, Kenny, look at that list of signings and it is abysmal. So the guys, these guys have pumped money into win 55 and what, right? That's what I think, I think the game plan was. They pumped the money in early to front load the player acquisition to get its 55. That seems to be accepted truth. Most of that money was obviously reasonably well invested. Morelos, Barisic, uh, Kent, etc. They should have been moved on and that money reinvested. That hasn't happened because of the current director of football. But since that point, almost every penny that has been spent in transfers has been wasted. We've had... Celtic get bang for their buck in the transfer market. We get the exact opposite. We get damp squibs that drain our resources and drain results. That list of players that he signed is abysmal. So that's that's what he should be judged on. Not all we're financially stable. We've got Edmondson House making us £100 a week and it's going to be great. The, the money that we have spent has been abysmally wasted. I can't remember a time or any other club where there has been such a fucking dearth of signings who've came in and made an impact. You just know now, you just watch, you go, right, who are these three we're signing? Great. One of them might be okay for a short period. The money's been wasted by Wilson. Do you see how the how the, the investors have not chased them? I have absolutely no idea. Dave, you've just made a great point, and I'll tell you what it is. I, I've just said there that, that there's no reason why Rangers shouldn't be spending £20 million a year, right? But to be able to do that, your player trading model has to work, Right. And what we are doing is signing players that aren't wanted all the time. So when they turn up at us and they're failing, nobody's wanting them a year, a further year down the rail, the, you know, the, the year of failure. That's the issue. And that is down to the director of football and no one else. Absolutely. Well, this has been nice and fun and therapeutic for everyone, I hope. Um we're obviously going to look forward to previewing the Killy game that will be coming out tomorrow, hopefully. And as Chris said at the start of this, we are hoping to do some deep dives both into the boards. As you can tell, we've probably got quite a bit to discuss there. But also looking further forward, what transfer window coming up in the summer is going to mean. Because I think it's clear at this point it's going to need to be a big one. There are a good number of players going out of contract. There needs to be turnover in terms of the squad, but we shall talk through that in detail as to what that is going to mean for this Rangers team going forward, because it's clear that there's change needed. I want to thank all of my guests for coming on. Uh, this is never a particularly fun one to uh, to do, but I appreciate everyone uh, giving up their hard-earned evenings to, uh, to do it nonetheless. Uh, I'll thank you first, Kenny. Cheers for coming on, mate. Not at all. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Andrew, I beg your pardon. Cheers. Jesus, man. Like, I don't think we sound that similar, you know? <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> uh, Dave, thank you again, mate. Appreciate you coming on I, I, and providing your I'm, insight. I'm just getting started. I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm just getting warmed up. So we could I. do this podcast for another three hours, I'm sure. Eas- but easily. For the, for the sake of our listeners, I want to try and keep it to a little bit right. short. Uh, but, yeah, appreciate you coming on, Dave. Thank you, man. Cheers, guys. Enjoy it well. It's been cathartic. <laughs> that's, the, that's the very word right there. And Chris, uh, as always, mate, appreciate it. I appreciate your time and uh, your insight as well. Thank you, man. Thanks very much, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, it's been a pleasure. My name's Dave Kerr. Uh, thank you for listening <laughs> to One Feet from Crisis. Uh, we hope you tune in again. And uh, thanks again for listening. You can find us pretty much every social network that we've got going. TikTok, YouTube, Twitter. Spotify, Amazon Music, Instagram, and uh, you can also get in touch with us at contact at Saturday at three.co.uk. If you've got any show ideas, any questions, any queries, even if you want to come on, just give us a shout. We'll have a conversation and we'll go from there. And if you want to meet us in person, we'll be outside Ibrox with the banners fairly shortly, I'd imagine. Indeed, throwing sharks as we go. Um, Thank you all and take care.